the really hot weather of the last couple of weeks has got me reflecting on childhood summers. Um, I grew up very close to the beach and uh, the summers, in my memory, the summers were a lot hotter and sunnier uh, back then, but that may be just a flawed memory. But when, when the summer would arrive, we would spend an awful lot of time at the, at the seashore and uh, myself, my siblings, my cousins and that. And it's there that I learned to swim also. But how I learned to swim is maybe not uh, the best way to learn how to swim. I have a memory of myself, maybe seven years of age, maybe eight, uh, at the beach and the tide was fully in and it was a part of the beach where there were large boulders that were there to stop coastal erosion and the memory I have is myself and my father there uh, and he's there in his shorts and uh, he's going to teach me to swim so he takes hold of me and throws me into the water and it really is sink or swim and he's from the rocks he's reassured me move your legs move your arms etc etc and I can I'm reassured by the fact that he's only a few feet away but I know that this water is quite deep and he's standing there and I'm beginning to try and stay afloat and beginning to uh, maybe panic a little bit but not too much because he's there on the rocks and eventually he gets into the water and for what for me it's very deep for him it's it's up to his waist and he stands in the water and he puts his hands underneath my body and supports me in the water so that I don't sink and so that I can get into a rhythm of moving my hands, my arms and my feet in the right way. Not the best way to learn how to swim, sink or swim. And I was thinking of that when I was reading this gospel uh, where Jesus is sitting there with his disciples and they have spent a significant amount of time with him. They've seen him do marvelous, awesome, miraculous, powerful deeds. And then he says to, to them, okay, okay lads, off you go. Go and proclaim the kingdom of heaven. I want you while you're at it to cure the sick. I want you to raise the dead. I want you to cleanse the lepers and yeah, you see that nasty big demon there called Satan and his minions? Yeah, while you're at it, cast them out as well. And you can imagine these men, these disciples, these apostles thinking, who, me? You want me to go out there and do what you're doing? And they must have been filled with a certain degree of turmoil, a bit like me being thrown into that water, uh, sink or swim, and that sinking feeling. And yet Jesus says to them, go, go and do what I have done. Do what you see that I have, I have done. Uh, say what I have said. Go and, and proclaim the gospel. And the church has been doing that ever since. And that mission that they receive, though they feel ill-equipped for it, they are equipped because God never gives you a task that he will not be willing to give you the grace and and the ability to carry out. So they will have the Holy Spirit with them, but they don't know that yet. And so off they go, and we know that later in the gospel they come back rejoicing because indeed they were able to do the very things that Jesus sent them to do. What is it that is Jesus' mission? Well, we could just kind of 
distill it down to what St. Paul talks about there in the second reading today, reconciliation. Jesus came to reconcile us to the Father, to bring us back to God. And that is the mission of the church, to proclaim the good news that there is a way back, that through turning to Christ, through repentance, metanoia, which means a change in the way you think and are and behave, that change, that repentance, we can turn back and with and in and through Christ come to the Father. This is good news indeed. And St. Paul, in that second reading in the letter to the Romans, makes it very clear that we don't have to wait until we arrive at a certain level of holiness and perfection and put on a show for God and maybe he'll be impressed enough to, to allow us to be saved. No, he said, Christ died for us while we were still sinners. In other words, Christ reached out to us even when we weren't reaching out to him. This is really pivotally important because there's an awful lot of people who are not coming to God, not returning to God because they feel themselves unworthy of that. And that's precisely it. If you are totally messed up, if you are totally off on a tangent away from God, you're ripe for the picking. You're the one that God has his eyes on not because you're perfect, but precisely because you are much less than perfect. All of us are in the same boat. We are helpless. We are wayward. We're sometimes very sinful. And yet, none of that changes God's attitude towards us. It changes our attitude towards God. We can stop seeking Him, but He's always seeking us. He's always seeking us because love drives him to that. And it is a merciful love. There is a story told, I don't know if it's true or not, but a story told of Napoleon and the court of Napoleon. In the aftermath of the French Revolution and the various wars, there was a young soldier who, in the midst of battle or preparation for a battle, he, he kind of got afraid and so he deserted. Uh, he went AWOL and eventually he was captured, he was court-martialed and was sentenced to death. And he was the only son of a widow. Somehow this widow, his mother, managed to get an audience with Napoleon. And there she wasn't going to miss the opportunity. She began to plead for her son's life. And she asked Napoleon to show mercy upon her son. And Napoleon's response apparently was, well, your son is a deserter. He's a coward. He's an embarrassment to our army and a shame and disgrace to our nation. Your son doesn't deserve mercy. To which that mother replied, if he deserved it, it wouldn't be mercy. If he deserved it, it'd be justice. We can earn something, and then it is just that we get a repayment for it. But if we get something, a payment that is not due to us, that's because the giver is generous and gives beyond what we deserve. And we know that because of sin, we deserve nothing good. And yet God desires to give us good things. God gives us good things, not because we are good, but because he is good. 
He gives us mercy not because we deserve it, but because he desires it. This is fundamental. This is good news. This is the, the package that the church has to deliver to every generation. That God wants relationship with us. God wants us even when we've stopped wanting him. That God is pursuing us even when we've stopped pursuing him. God loves us. He loves you. And if you happen to be in a position where you feel that you're all washed up, that spiritually and at whatever level you are an utter mess and a failure and a disgrace, God wants you. God wants you. And Jesus died for you. Not because you are perfect, but so that he could perfect you and take all of that mess all of that sin, all of that disaster and transform it and use it for some good and mighty purpose for your benefit and for his glory. What proves that God loves us is that Christ died for us while we were still sinners. That's really good news.